welcome to Neither the Time Nor the Space, a podcast about Doctor Who. My name is David, and as ever, I am joined by the spectacular Matt. Hello. So, last week we discussed, uh, arguably, the worst episode of the show we've watched so yes, far. That's Love correct. and Monsters. Yeah. And I said, fingers crossed, it can't get much worse than that. I think the episode we're going to talk about today, yeah. Fear Her, makes the biggest mistake any episode of Doctor Who can make. Mm, I'd be very interested to hear what that I, is. I think the biggest mistake is it's boring. I 100% agree with you. I, I think with Love and Monsters, it was stupid and it was ridiculous. Yeah. But it, it, it was entertaining. It was ambitious. Yes. Yes. I, I basically have a theory that, that, that with Doctor Who, uh, uh, there are two basically kinds of bad episode. There are ambitious failures, of which I would say Love and Monsters is definitely one. It's trying something new. It's trying something different. Yeah. It maybe doesn't stick the landing and is a very frustrating watch as a result. It's still a failure, but it's a the, moderately entertaining and ambitious failure. This is so paint by numbers it is if you yeah. think if we talk about tooth and claw yeah. which i think is also quite paint by numbers we mm. we've got this monster yeah. there's a problem but at least that had a different setting yeah this, it had werewolves and monks and uh, this was just you know one it all takes place in one street yes and housing estate the, I, the blandest housing estate you yeah, can imagine I, I i don't think any of the characters stand out mm, not really no I mean, there's basically only two or three characters other than Rose and the Doctor that actually do anything. Yeah. I, I think it. there's absolutely no threat. Yeah, it's it's a rough one, isn't it? Because it, it just, it's just so dull, yeah. really. At the end of the day, it's just so dull. Like, um, have we mentioned the name of the episode yet? We're talking about Fear Her. Yes. By Matthew Graham. So, and this is... Can- Episode 11 yes. of Series 2 yeah. from the 24th of June, 2006. Yeah. And you know what? I can I can tell you exactly where I was. Go on. Because um, uh, I was I was living in Hulls in my first year at uni. Um, and uh, I had a friend there who I would I'd spend more time in her room than mine, frankly, just because mine was always a state and she kept hers yeah. fairly tidy. And uh, she was, you know, we hung out a lot. And I walked in to her room halfway through her watching this episode so I hadn't been I don't you <laughs> at least you didn't see the whole thing yeah and I remember watching the, the psychology this is the worst Doctor Who I have ever seen yeah. to date uh, and to be fair we, we mentioned the, the name of the writer Matthew Graham I want to defend him a little bit before we get stuck see, into this episode I, I, I went to school with yeah. somebody called Matthew Graham. Right. I was actually quite friendly with him at primary yeah. school. And he works in my local Tesco's. Yeah. And every time I see him, I don't think I'll ever forgive him. He's guilty <laughs> by association for well, this episode. Well, if you're going to blame anyone for this episode, I don't think you should be blaming Matthew Graham. Because for context, he had very little time in which to write this. It was a last minute replacement uh, for an episode that should have been written by Stephen Fry. I think I read that on Wikipedia. Yeah. He, yeah, he. Um, I, 
Whenever I dislike an episode, I like to go on Wikipedia <laughs> and just click the reception tab. Yeah. And just see, am I right? Uh, what yeah. do other people think? Yeah, so so basically Stephen Fry had been pegged to, to, to uh, deliver a script for Series 2. I think it was a case that he just didn't deliver it on time. And so they had to dream up a low-budget replacement at the last minute. And so Matthew Graham was told specifically, set it on a housing estate. So already he's been shot in the foot there. Um, and also write with a younger audience in mind. So he was told to pitch it at that kind of childish level. And given that those instructions and those limitations, I think it's a miracle that it's even remotely watchable. <laughs> Would you go as far as to say this is the worst we've watched? For if, me personally... If I gave yeah. you Boomtown... Love and Monsters, New Earth, New Earth yeah. or this. I'm not. I'm. I would more gladly rewatch some of the others, just because, as I say, I think they have a touch more ambition to them than this one. Mm. It's this episode is just so drab it, to watch. Uh, one thing throughout that really didn't help when it got to about halfway, three quarters of the way through yeah. this episode, and I, I'd lost interest and lost patience with yeah. it. We we talked in the past the running joke of one is not amused. Yeah. In this episode, we have they constantly refer to Inspector Morse every time they uncover oh, a clue. They do, yeah. And it gets so old. Yeah. So quick. Yeah. Just tiring. Yeah. Absolutely tiring. I don't know if that's just a dated reference. I don't know if Inspector Morse was high in was the public consciousness. Dated even at the time, and it's just yeah. No, there is something. <laughs> You really do feel the limitations and the limited scope of this episode, I yeah. feel like. Um, but anyway, yeah, so that's our general talk. So, agreed, just straight up, bad, bad episode. episode. Yeah. yeah. Like, I will admit, I will point out, as we get to it, a couple of, not redeeming qualities, but standalone moments that I do like. See, off, off the top of my head, I can't think of anything where I thought, Oh yeah, that's all right. Yeah, you know. Well, we'll see if we'll see if they come up, but but um, yeah, I I don't think I could stretch to bad episode with good bits. I no, I I wouldn't go that far. No. Okay, so so should we jump in? Why not? So we're in London, twenty twelve. Preparations for the Olympics. Yes. So we're of course this is six years in the fi- in the future when this was being broadcast. Yeah. Yeah. Weird to think that it's now about six years it's in, in the, the past. past. Yeah. So. Yeah, the heady heights of two thousand and twelve. Mm. And, again, we're on this housing estate, and there's a poster, I think it's on a lamppost, to say that a girl has gone missing. Yeah. And this is where we're introduced to one of the aforementioned poor characters. Yeah. Old lady. I don't think she's ever given a name. No, she's just, like... And she's that very particular kind of trope where it's like she's an old lady, and because she's old, she's also slightly psychic. Yeah, but everyone thinks she's crazy. Yeah, and I because just, uh, she can feel it. Yeah, oh, there's something in the air, something wrong. <laughs> yeah, something's going wrong with his streets. You uh, know, oh, as, as she's yeah. out on the street, you know, shouting about how she can feel it. Yeah, uh, there's a little odd girl just sat in her bedroom window. Yeah. Singing and drawing. Yeah. And she's singing a laugh, Kookaburra laugh. Is yeah, it? yeah. Something about Do you not know? Do you not know the Kookaburra song? Yeah. I will once you've sung it to us. 
<laughs> oh, you're going to make me do this, aren't you? No, no, no. Let's just... <coughs> I don't think anybody <laughs> wants that. No. Right. So, as she's drawing, there's a boy playing in the street. Yeah. And I think we see that she's drawing him. He's got a Great Britain t-shirt on, yeah. I think, for the Olympics. Yeah. And as she draws him, he disappears. And then in my notes, I've just put, the mad old lady goes even madder. Yeah. She just starts shrieking and, you know. I mean, to be fair, a child has just disappeared in front of her eyes. You'd be perturbed by that if that happened to you. I'd have probably just thought, oh, I must have missed it when he went in for tea. <laughs> you know. <laughs> oh, kids today, he's probably playing on his Fortnite machine. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Those children, eh? Yeah. That's what dates this episode. Kids yeah. these days never bloody play out anymore. <laughs> Scratches right. credulity. So yeah. we get the titles. We do. And then Oh, can I sorry, I can I mention because it cuts to the piece of paper where she's drawn the child. And you see the child the, the the drawing of the child running and screaming. Yeah. Um and, and it's sort of like crude animation, basically. It's the only time those drawings are ever animated in this episode. And that is one of the big criticisms I have. I reckon if they'd actually invested the budget and stuck with that as a concept, and whenever anyone's back was turned, those pictures are all moving. Haven't we had this before with the Slovene, where they unzip their head the first time, and then after that, they just don't bother. Yeah, and and, and so it's frustrating that lack of consistency. But also I just think like if they'd gone to that effort to do that, throughout the episode. I think that would have elevated it a little bit, given it more atmosphere. Yeah, and it would have been a signature of the episode. It would have yeah. been the episode. It would yeah. be the thing that makes the episode stand out. But literally, at no other point in this episode do we what, do we actually see these pictures move. See. And obviously, it's again just a budgetary decision. I'm sure in the original script they were supposed to do that. See, not to go off on a tangent, but this aspect of the plot reminded me of... Something that used to give me nightmares uh-huh. as a child. Something that genuinely, as a child, really traumatised me. And it's from the movie adaptation of Roald Dahl's The Witches. Oh, gosh, Where the yeah. girl's trapped in the painting. Oh, yeah. And you see her move around the painting, but she's always looking out of the painting mm. desperately for help. Yeah. I hated that as a child. I, that I, film, in general, is just... See, I, I could take the transformation nightmare, into the horrible witches with the big noses... I could do that. The creepy girl in the painting. Not for yeah. me. Right. So, back to the episode. Yes. The TARDIS appears, and it's between two sort of shipping containers. Okay. But it lands at an angle where the door <laughs> won't open. So you they have to, to disappear, yeah. rotate 90 degrees, and then come back. I quite like that gag. Uh, it's, I, it's not enough to say think, in the episode. I think at the I time like I liked gag. it, but... I'm so put off the episode that see, I don't find it funny. This is the thing: there are these little touches here and there. So I'm just like, oh yeah, a bit more of that, and I could have, I could have gotten on board or with just a different story. These same touches, but a different, a better story. Yeah. Maybe we'd have got somewhere, but yeah. So, the doctors come to watch the Olympics, mm-hmm. and immediately Rose notices the missing posters of all the children. Yeah. So. You know, without any exposition, the doctor just says, oh, let's investigate. He just runs off yeah. to investigate. It's like, uh, to put this in uh, D&D terms, obviously we're both uh, Dungeons and Dragons players, it's it's like the most obvious adventure hook 
yeah. that a uh, DM can throw at the players. Like, oh, there's been some mysterious disappearances <laughs> in this village. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I guess we'll investigate that, will Literally we? Literally nothing else going yeah. on here. Otherwise, I guess we'll just have to sit in a tavern for, yeah. for the next four hours. So, right. yeah. So, as the doctors run off, Rose notices that just, again, another random character, just a bloke's car conks out. Yeah. It's the fifth one today. It seems to be running fine. Then there's yeah. an area where it won't run. And Rose gives it a push start. Yeah. And it starts. So there's like some sort of weird patch in this street yeah. or something. And I think I'm right in saying as she's pushing it, she's helping possibly the main secondary character of this episode, um, who's just a road worker. Yes. I think he's called Cal or Kel, something like that. Um, and yeah, he's. Kel. He, yeah. Yes. And he works for the council. Yeah. As he's. And that's his character backstory. That, yep. He's just here to tarmac the road. Yes, yeah. It's, just, it's poor, isn't it? <laughs> right. And as this is all taking place, the father of the missing boy finds the doctor on his lawn. Yeah. Now, you can tell this is pre-Operation Utree. <laughs> he doesn't call him a pedo. You know, his son's no. disappeared. There's a man sort of squatting on the lawn. <laughs> Just sort of... An oddly dressed man, no less. Yeah. Yeah. And as this is going on, the old lady talks to Rose. Yeah. And they're, they're sort of almost like a council meeting in the middle of the street where yeah. everyone we're introduced to so far just sort of shouts, there's weird things going on. Yeah, everyone's accusing everyone else. It's obviously that tensions are running high. Yeah. So and they, yeah. they use the psychic paper. They pretend they're police officers. Yeah. So that's how the doctor and yeah. Rose integrate themselves into this issue. Yeah. Now, the residents believe that the workers are sorting the street out for the Olympic torch procession and they think they're involved in the disappearances. Well, because they? they're newcomers, aren't yeah, they? Yeah. I think that's the only reason. They're the but, only difference. But having said that, don't have come across as racist. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know whether I, I it was think, intentional. Maybe. I think at some point do they say we don't want your sort round yeah, here yeah, or something yeah, like I, that. I think it's to the meant... only character of color. Now, other than Cal. Yeah. Like let's just talk about characters of color so yeah. far. We've got Mickey. Yeah. Any others? Well, in this episode we've got uh Chloe and her mum. That's right. Um the I think there have been a few incidental ones, we, uh, but there's not an in Indian chap in Aliens of London, the yeah. assistant character. Yeah, there's there are a few there are a few here and there, but it's fair to say that they're not given much major prominence. In, yeah. in uh, the series so far. Right, that's because it's written by Russell T Davis, and he's too busy with his own agenda, <laughs> shall we say? You reckon? Yeah, honestly, that's, his, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah interesting. Right. At this point, whilst they're having this, count, uh, I, I don't want to call it a council meeting, but they're just sort of stood in the street, right. shouting at each other, aren't they? Yeah. And Chloe, the odd girl from earlier, is watching from the window. Yeah. And she has drawings all over her bedroom. Yeah. She is a keen drawer. Yeah. So all the drawings of. I'm assuming it's the children she's seen, the people she sees from her windows. Yeah, yeah. She sort of draws those scenes, puts them up on the wall. Yeah. 
And is it about this point she draws a cat? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It does because she's sort of non-responsive to her mum. Yeah. Because she's drawing this cat. Yeah. She's drawing it as a friend for the child that she's drawn earlier. It's, I mean, it's not acknowledged at this point, but basically she's trapping the people yeah. she's drawn. I think it's pretty clear already, yeah. isn't it? They've not. No one's explicitly said it, but it's it's pretty evident that that's what's going on here. So obviously she sees the cat, she draws the cat, the cat disappears. Yeah. Now, Chloe's mum is played by, and I hope I pronounced this right, Nina Susanya? Yeah. Who... Again, I think we've discussed this program before. Yeah, is from Teachers. She four. is, yes, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure she's also in Nathan Barley. Um, yes, yes, she is. Yeah, grossly underrated program. Oh, Nathan fantastic, Barley. fantastic show. Um, yeah, so um, again, she's a, not a... given much to play with here, though. Is and she? this is this is something we've seen before, isn't it? Like really good actors from yeah. you know from British TV. Coming in to do an episode of Doctor Who would be given very, very weak material to work with. So yeah, she is just basically she just gets to be a generic mum in this, yeah. and that's that's all there is to it. It's a shame, yeah. but she does she does w- she, what she can with her. With she's probably she the most passable bit of this episode. I yeah, would say potentially. Yeah. Okay, so she speaks to Chloe, her daughter, and Chloe says that the drawings moan, even though she gives them friends. So she's trapping these children as friends for the drawing. Yeah. So having seen the cat disappear in front of her, we see it go into a box and then it disappears when Rose looks into the oh, box. Oh, yes, that's it. Like, like uh, maybe the box is magic. Yeah. So Rose goes snooping round yeah. into a garage Yeah. where she's attacked by a scribble. Yes, yeah. So I think we see Chloe in a fit of rage. Yeah, scribble she's scribbling on the paper. paper. Yeah, and then and then there's this scribble monster, effectively, attacking Rose. And it's the only other bit of rudimentary animation in this episode. Yeah. Um, and again, an interesting and effective idea. And then one that we never see any of her other drawings become manifest in the real world no, in that it, way. It and seems to be pretty much a one-way street in that yeah, what she draws becomes trapped. Except in this particular case. Yeah. And I don't really understand what's going on there, or how that works, or why, more to the point, nobody thought, having established that as a rule, that that wouldn't be a thing to, worth exploring later on in the episode. Yeah. By maybe having draw some mentioned. monsters or whatever. Um, you know... Why didn't she draw a Godzilla and then you got a Godzilla rampaging through? Yeah. Just some suggestions for you, RTD now, one, and uh, Matthew Graham. I have yeah. about the Scribble Monster is the Doctor manages to put it down using his sonic screwdriver. Yeah. Now, we've established that that doesn't work on living things. We've, we've, do, established, do, we've established that it doesn't work on wood, I think. Yeah, because he makes a um, point of saying this is graphite. It's yeah. what pencil lead is made. I think it's well. The fact is, at the end, it's barely living. It's it's um, it is just animated graphite, effectively. Mm. So I, it's not a stretch to say that the sonic screwdriver is like disrupting the molecules in such a fashion that it stops moving. And you know, yeah. being a science teacher, we all know graphite does conduct electricity. So yeah, it's possible. Yeah, 
Right. And they then head to the TARDIS where he deduces it is just purely scribble. Yeah. Rose thinks that it's a child's drawing. She uh-huh. notices that it is just literally scribble. Yeah. And they decide to visit Chloe. Yeah. So this is the first time we sort of see Rose and the Doctor in Chloe's domain. Because mm-hmm. as soon as they come to the door, it's evident her mum is scared of her. Yeah. She knows, she's not sure exactly what the problem is, but she knows that something's gone terribly wrong with her child. Yeah. Um, so so the, she doesn't need much persuasion, basically, does she? Like The no. Doctor's just like, I'm a doctor, I can help. And she's like, yep. In you come. Mm. No further questions. <laughs> so, whilst the Doctor's speaking to Trish, that's the name of Chloe's mum, yeah. Rose excuses herself to go to the toilet and she hides in a cupboard yeah. until she knows that Chloe has left her bedroom, gone downstairs. So she can so, do some more snooping. So Rose, again, yeah, snoops yeah. in Chloe's room yeah, and she knocks over some pencils. Uh-huh. And at this point, all the pictures become angry. Yeah. They've all got, like... They've gone from having, like, sad faces at looking at being trapped to having, like, angry, frustrated faces that, again, it's just a thread that doesn't really yeah. go anywhere. Because yeah. It's, let's, let's, I think one of the big issues of this episode is that the whole rules and how the drawings behave are ill-defined Yeah, at best. And in most episodes, when we're introduced to a new character, even if you go back to Love and Monsters, yeah, where we have the Absorbaloth, yeah, it it's got a bit of backstory, a bit of lore to yeah. it, yeah. And admittedly, we do get some in this episode eventually, yeah, but not much is explained. Yeah, here. we just basically know there's some nasty pictures that weren't nasty before and won't be nasty again and yeah it's just it's all just a bit wishy-washy isn't it It, it's the sort i think so i i watched this episode quite strictly because i was taking notes knew we'd be discussing it i think if you had it on in the background you may be doing the ironing doing the washing up i think you'd struggle to follow some points yeah yeah it just seems to be like a mad sequence of events yeah you know yeah. if you if you zoned in and rose sees a cat disappear then you see her getting attacked by some scribble mm-hmm. then you see some angry children's drawings you know it's it's it, it might be hard if you if you're not paying close attention to see that there is even much of a link to yeah it. yeah yeah it's it's just and and the, the the other thing with it is of course that the pacing and energy of this episode up until this point has been so lethargic. Yeah. It's like there's, despite the fact that we've, we're dealing with children going missing and, and tensions running high on the street, there is no real sense of urgency to anything. There is no sense of a cohesive threat. I think in terms of adventure, we were in agreement that the impossible planet the Satan Pit yeah. did that really well. Yes. Because there's always something going on. You know, yeah. the Doctor's down the pit with yeah. the devil, Rose is at the top, and there's yeah. the guy going crazy. There's the Ood getting hijacked. Yeah. yeah. Whereas here, so far we have a cat's gone missing and a girl isn't happy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The stakes don't seem... 
and they don't feel yeah. there. Even even if they are, even if we are looking at life and death, it doesn't feel that way. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Right. So the doctor now begins to speak to Chloe. Yeah. And she's an absolute cowbag to him. Yeah. She's she's not just dismissive. She's quite unpleasant yeah. towards him. And it's hard to you know. It's hard to say. Is she just uh, out of sorts? Is she? Is there something seriously wrong here? You know, is she just being a moody like t- tween? Would we say for Chloe? Mm. I don't know. Yeah. I'm bad at judging ages. Um, yeah. But yeah, so is she just a moody kid? Who knows? But what? Obviously, working in a school, I work with children. Yeah. If a child behaved like that that immediately your alarm bells ring. Yeah. You, you know, not to be old-fashioned, but a child shouldn't speak to an adult in that way. <laughs> um, but yeah, she's completely dismissive, rude, yep. obnoxious towards him. Yeah. Back upstairs, Rose is continuing to snoop around Chloe's room, uh-huh. looks in the wardrobe, and there's a huge drawing of a demon. Yeah. Now, this is where I thought this episode might get interesting. Uh-huh. Turns out I was wrong. Yep, more fool you. <laughs> yep. Um, and Chloe says, oh, that's my dad. Yeah. So, introducing one of the sort of more subtextual elements of this uh, story, which is basically that, you know, Chloe and and her mum uh, maybe were, were living with a rather unpleasant Father figure, yeah. Um, yeah. who has now departed. Yeah, um, and, and this it's... image is sort of a representation of Chloe's anxiety, yeah. sadness at that situation. Yeah, yeah. So Rose cries for the doctor, and Chloe says that she dreams of her dad. Uh-huh. And it's at this point that her mum Trish drops hints that he was a bad egg. Yes, yeah. So I think. You know, I think she even says he was a monster. Yes. Obviously, yeah. not in a literal sense. Well, he might have been. This is the Doctor Who universe. Yeah, but then... May- maybe he was a Zygon. Uh, or an Axon. An, an Axon. <laughs> an Axon. An yeah. Axon's part of a nerve cell. The Axon terminal on the presynaptic neuron. I'll take your word for it. When, of... when, when somebody says Axon, I picture something very different. A little bit of... Biology, though, <laughs> Okay, so the doctor then, I don't know the correct term, I used mind melds. He sort of does his Vulcan yeah. mind trick. Yeah, which we've seen, a, we've seen a couple of times before. I don't think there is a word for it. Is it, the is it never thing. named? No, no, not really. Was the last time we saw him do this Lady Pompadour? I think so, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so he releases... I've just called it Bad Dad <laughs> from Chloe. And we find out it's really an Asylus. Yes. Now, I think I know the answer before I ask this, uh-huh. but are they acknowledged in Old Who? Are they a new creation? Pretty. Like, I'd put money on them being new. Certainly that nothing that I've seen up until sort of I'm sort of partway through the Fifth Doctor at the moment. Never mm. seen... Because... Uh... I would assume, because when we see it, it's almost like a little floating jellyfish. Yeah. I would have thought technological limitations, it 
probably not an old thing. Yeah, I'd, I'd be very, very surprised if it was. I mean, maybe something for the extended universe, one of the novels. You never know 100% until, right. until I go on TARDIS wiki and check. But I, I, it, the way they're described, it feels like they were invented just to fit the, plug the particular thematic hole yeah. required for this episode. Right. So, so should we give a bit of exposition for the Asylus? How do we have to? It won't make sense unless we do. I suppose. I mean, it barely makes sense even. (laughs) Right. So they basically travel through space on, I think, are they called cosmic tides? Yeah. So they're just like passive creatures that drift through space. And it takes thousands of years for them to mature. Yes. So... We realise this is one in its infancy. Yes, and they, they, there's billions of them that spawn at once. Yes. So they like, travel as this enormous family, effectively. And they feed off each other's love. Yeah, gross. Yeah. Just gross. Just gross. <laughs> and this one in particular crashed to Earth when there was a solar flare. So I'm assuming that yeah. was from our sun. Yeah, and just knocked it off course. Yeah, and it's crashed, crashed on Earth. Earth. Conveniently in London. Yeah, in the 21st century. <laughs> yeah. It would have been Cardiff otherwise. Okay. Ultimately, the Doctor deduces in order to free Chloe and rid them of this Asylus, they needed to find its ship to get it back home. Yeah. I think he says it'd be no bigger than an egg. Yeah. And it'll be somewhere warm, I think. Yes, he says. it requires heat or something yeah. to, to operate. Um, and I, we should point out as well that this is happening, this conversation with the, the Isolus is happening, uh, it's almost like an exorcism. Chloe's like on the bed. Eyes she's, rolled back. Yeah, and she's doing this whisper voice yes. that she does when she's speaking to the Isolus for like most of the episode at this yeah. point. And it is so grating. Very much so. So grating. And again, this is another of those things where I feel like a simple decision, if they'd spent a teensy bit more money and hired a voice actor, just get Nicholas Briggs, who does who does the, the um, Daleks, to come in, do a voice, do a modulator, to give the Isolus a different voice, a different personality, something a bit more listenable than a drama school kid just yeah. doing a whisper voice, yeah. because this is what she's been told I, to do. Yeah. and Horrible. I, I obviously don't want to criticise Chloe. No, I don't blame her. I blame the director and and the uh, budgetary limitations of the episode. But it it's very much like a child's rather performance, isn't yes, it? Yes. Yeah. She she almost seems out of place in the episode. Yeah. Like she's trying too hard. Maybe I, think, I feel so. It's yes. slightly a disjointed performance, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, again, I don't want to mispronounce the actress's name, but. Abby Solar Agbeige, I think, or Agbeige. I'll take your word for it. Plays Chloe. Yeah. And again, obviously, she's young. She's probably come on as an actress since then. Or but, she's quit. Yeah. yeah. Which often happens. Because um, uh, I've got it in front of me. Her Wikipedia page goes nowhere. She's yeah. listed as an actress for this episode, but there's no link to a personal bio. Yeah, suggest to me that maybe she got out of the acting game. Um, but again, I, do, I, I don't blame... Look, child actors have to be really, really poor for me to actually throw any stick at them. It, it, for me, it really is a case of if a child actor is taking you out of the episode, then the pr- production team need to take responsibility for that. Yes. 
because they've not made the right decisions to elevate that performance or limit that performance in a way where it's not going to distract from the episode as a whole. Yeah. Now, one one of the things I really, really didn't like about this episode, uh-huh. and you may just have to come with me on a slight little journey till I get there. More than happy to. Okay. So, the Doctor decides he's going to go look for the Isola ship. Yes. And as he does, Chloe follows them. Right. Now, there's a conversation that takes place here between the Doctor and Rose, where I think Rose makes some offhand comment about children and parenthood. And the Doctor says, well, I was a parent once. Yeah. So he acknowledges Susan. Yes. Irritating, horrible Susan. (laughs) You know, just when you don't want this episode to get any worse. You're reminded of her dancing with that horrible jangly radio and, you know, the awful first doctor and the weird teachers that followed her home. It's just... It's it's a shame because for for a lot of people that would have been a lovely little nod to the past, but for you it just... a lot of people are wrong, aren't they? (laughs) Right. So So they're back in the TARDIS, aren't they? I think Um, so at this point. Yeah. Uh, Chloe, they take away her pencil so she can't do (coughs) any more drawings. Yeah. Now, oddly, she seems to have planned for this eventuality yeah. and has some stashed in a Barbie. She takes the head off the oh, doll. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's pencils inside. And she begins to draw the Doctor. Yeah. I think before then, I, I, I think there is... I think it is in that, that conversation. Um, there, um, one of my two highlights of the episode takes place. Because um, I think it's a lovely quote, especially when taken out of context from the episode which I've actually made a note of here, if I can find it. Um, There's a lot of things you need to get across this universe. Warp drive, wormhole refractors. You know the thing you need most of all? You need a hand to hold. Mm. Taken in isolation, that is a beautiful quote. Yeah. That summarises the the, the nature of the show, its ethos, rather elegantly, I think. You know, in that it's it's sci-fi-y, but also rather sentimental and sweet and yeah. I love it I, 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 I love that that sentence I really wish it wasn't in such and, a mediocre episode yeah, yeah and it's in keeping with sort of the theme of series two yeah the the developing well I say developing it's at full strength at this point yeah. friendship between yeah. Rose yeah, I mean, I'd say friendship was established long ago. We're now skirting towards something more than friendship. Yes. Yeah. Um. So yes. So once Chloe's drawn the Doctor, I think she draws the TARDIS as well. It disappears, yeah. and in the drawing, yeah, the, the Doctor highlights to Rose his yeah. plan. Yes. Now she has to become. We've talked about in the past where she becomes pseudo doctor. Yes, and yeah. she has to use his mindset to yeah. solve this. Yeah. Okay. Unfortunately, she's been travelling long enough that she's able to piece it together quite quickly. Yeah. Really. Right. So, she then understands it needs to be somewhere warm. Mm-hmm. So she goes to speak to Tarmac Man. Yeah. Oh, Kel. Kel. Yeah. <laughs> See, he's so forgettable. I forgot we'd even had a conversation about <laughs> what his name was. Uh, to see what he'd seen that could cause heat. And obviously, he's tarmacking a road. Yeah. So there's hot tar. Yeah. At which point, Rose grabs a pickaxe. Well, first of all, he's he is 
You see, this is my other episode highlight. This whole scene. And you are welcome to disagree, but I love it for its pure chuckle vision level humour that it has. Because it starts out with him sort of admiring his own handiwork. Mm -hmm. He's like, oh, what a lovely bit of tarmac. So smooth. Ah, oh, you know, what a wonderful thing. And then uh, Rose goes into the back of his van, grabs a pickaxe, starts smashing it up. Meanwhile, he is protesting, you can't take, that's a council van. You can't go in a council van. That's a council pickaxe. You can't take a council. And so on, on it goes and says, you're digging up a council road with a council pickaxe from a council van. I'm reporting you to the council. I think that's genuinely funny. No? Um, Does no, it? Like, no? If it had come earlier in the episode, but by now, I was You'd... pig sick of this episode. Yeah, you're so... This is the difference. That, like, I feel like you can get very disheartened watching this. For me, I'm always looking for any little branch I can grab onto for dear life I, I, with, with a dodgy episode like this. I can usually work out in the first five or ten minutes yeah. whether I'm going to really enjoy or really hate an episode. Yeah. And with this one, I think I was just like, oh, fucking hell. Like, you know, it, it wasn't even to the point where I was like, oh, this is so annoying, it's funny. It was just annoying. Yeah. I mean, I was like, it, it's not one I rushed to rewatch. No, I can't uh, imagine. <laughs> so she finds the Asylus craft. Yeah. But unfortunately, whilst Rose has been doing this, Chloe has been watching the telly, oh, and she okay. draws the entire Olympic crowd. Oh, yes. We, we haven't really been mentioning that. Oh, running all through the background is you've got Olympics coverage, and they've had, they've got flipping Hugh Edwards in. Yes. To do the voiceover for this. Yes. So he's doing the full reporting. Yeah, of uh, you're reporting all of the, the Olympics uh, coverage. And we listen to his... I think he actually... Credit where credit is due. I think he delivers... Quite, he's quite convincing when the crowd disappears. Yeah, and uh, like uh, some sometimes, you know, you'll get these like new supporters in to, uh, and you know, this. The, in fact, this version of Doctor Who has done it before already. We've had Andrew Marr in for for Aliens of London and stuff like that. Um, sometimes when they're coming in to, just to play themselves, doing their normal job because it's scripted a certain way that it suddenly feels really false. Yes. Um, and it can actually be very jarring. Like, yeah, they're suddenly acting as themselves. I think but Hugh Edwards reports this yeah. as he would report the news. Yeah. And because it's a BBC production, I think it has the BBC sort of ticker at the yeah, bottom. Yeah, yeah. It all is very, like... Um, it has that ring of truth to it. Mm. Um, so, not one of the you know, better executed elements, though I hate the actual whole Olympic subplot, uh, as we'll, we'll get into uh, as the, the episode wraps up. Uh, but anyway, yes, so Chloe's drawn uh, the entire thing, because her whole thing, her whole motivation is, because she's this uh, being possessed by this Isolus, who swim through space in, in, in a family of billions. She feels alone. She's yes. trapped and alone. She's, she's inhabited this Chloe's body in an attempt to feel close to someone. That wasn't enough, so she started drawing more and more people, grabbing them, storing them, in order to yeah. feel close to people. Now, going back to the news broadcast. Yes. Uh, at one point, they ask, where is Torchwood? 
So going back to that reoccurring theme of yeah. series two. Yeah. W- Torchwood acknowledged yeah. again. Yeah. Are we going to discuss that or just move on? Well, it's. I mean, the episode doesn't discuss it, does it? What's there no. to talk about? No. I'll be really mad if we get to the series finale <laughs> and it, it's just going to be Bad Wolf all over again, isn't it? Well, you like Bad Wolf in the end. We haven't reached the end. <laughs> I thought we'd reached the end and I thought I liked it. And then it keeps popping back up. But yeah. RTD, yeah. being the complete prick that he is... He doesn't know when to call it quits, he keeps does he? poking the bear. <laughs> right. So, Rose now breaks in as Chloe starts drawing all of planet Earth. Yeah. She's going to trap all of planet Earth yeah. as companions for the Isolas. Yeah. You see, I'm not sure how that's going to work because she's not drawing the people. She's just drawing the planet. Which yeah. just makes me think like she's just going to have the planet. Um, and then all the people and the buildings and stuff on it are just going to be drifting in space. Who knows? Again, you see, this is the thing where I feel like the logic of uh, the Isolus and its powers are ill-defined. Mm. Anyway. But again, we could say that, you know, obviously it's in its infancy, maybe not aware of all its powers itself. Yeah. It may yeah. not fully understand them. I feel like you're giving everyone a bit too much credit there. Yeah. But anyway. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> so, as Chloe's drawing the Earth, the pictures, or the people in the pictures, start moving. Yeah. And the Doctor points to the Olympic torch. So you say they start moving. We don't actually see them move, do we? No, but again, it, it's, it's changed just, since the last yes, time Rose yeah. sees it. And again, it's just like, come on, just fork out for that little bit of animation. Those five seconds worth of animation that yeah. would have made it feel like anyone involved in this production gave a shit. So, conveniently, as we know, it needs heat to yep. power it. Yep. At this exact moment, the Olympic torch is coming down the street. <sighs> And you can tell that... I just, so, I, I feel like RTD was breathing down poor Matthew Graham's neck going, make about the Olympics. Yeah. Go on. Make about... Everyone's excited about the Olympics. The Olympics is coming. Although this was six fitting. years before the Olympics. Uh, I wonder how far it was from the point at which the London Olympics were announced. It was because about a year after a year we'd... After. we'd uh, so I think when they were writing it, it would have been in the news that yeah. we'd had the successful Because we had this bid. huge boost in like national oh, pride when yeah. we knew the Olympics was yeah. coming. I don't know why. So... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I think... The Olympics are rubbish. Really? They are, they are so boring. But it's, it's sort of like a nice celebration. A celebration of what? Running and jumping. No, but like... Worldwide unity. Is it though? Well, it's better than Eurovision. It's, it's elitism, is what it is. It's, it's not about unity, it's about who's best at uh, throwing a thing, a distance. A shot. Or a javelin. So, yeah, or a, a thing. Yeah. Or a hammer. You can tell I don't, I don't necessarily follow it terribly closely, but it's the I, I don't see it as a, as a unity thing. It's a dick waving contest. Really? Yeah. I, not like I, the more same obscure. as all sports. Do you not like the more obscure events? I, I like watching things like judo, um, some of the gymnastics, diving. Wake me up when they make Magic the Gathering an Olympic sport. Um, I think I heard on the news for the next Olympics, there were certain sports submitted this week. It was uh-huh. on the news. I think surfing, mm-hmm. climbing... I can't remember the others. But... I tell you what, 
If they put, if they add snooker, I'd watch the snooker. Yeah, because I'm always. Well, we can't talk snooker. about snooker. We talked about that when we were doing uh, the Colour TV Tommy yeah. episode. I, 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 I'm always ready to talk about snooker. Yeah. Anyway, let's get this over and done with, shall we? Right. So the pod starts up as Rose approaches the torch. Uh huh. So Rose throws it. Yes. It's a bloody good shot. Maybe she should be signing up for the Olympics. Yeah. She, was it a bronze medal she got in gymnastics? Yeah. We know. She uh, can add shot put to the list. So, as she throws it, the Isolus leaves Chloe. Yep. Okay. All the drawings return. Hooray. And the old lady thanks Rose for yeah. all her stellar work. Yeah. Okay. Now, as all the drawings return, so too does the drawing of Bad Dad. Yeah. Ooh. Now, it... I thought it might manifest itself as some sort of yeah. monster. Yeah, we might get but some kind of tension. No, it's no. A, it's like a seaside ghost train, isn't it? It's just <laughs> a flickering red light and some smoke at the top of the stairs. Yeah. Okay. So this Chloe episode. and her mum are sort of hunched together at the bottom of the stairs. Yeah. And Rose ba- tells them to sing. Yeah, bad dad's coming for yeah. them. It, we never see it. No. So Rose tells them to sing. Yeah. And they sing it to death. Yeah. So the power of positivity yeah. kills. Specifically, bad dad. Specifically, children's songs about kookaburras. Yeah. 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 You care to share that with us? No. Okay. So once they've sung it to death, Rose returns to the street. Everyone's sort of embracing as all the lost children are back, and she fears that the doctor is missing. Yes, he's he's nowhere to be seen on the street. No. I, I'm going to raise a point in a moment yeah. because yeah. the doctor yeah. is seen on the television yeah. and it pick, he picks up the Olympic torch yeah. when the bearer drops it. Yeah. Linda would have loved that, wouldn't they? Mm. If they were watching TV. Oh, that would have been now, some great Now, I want to show you a picture, okay? Yeah. And I'm not going to tell you what it is. Yeah, okay. But check this out. That's you with a stick. Yeah. Not just any stick. Is that a facsimile of the Olympic torch? That is the Olympic torch. Well. That is me holding the Olympic torch. Did, did you have to run with it? No. No, I've never been one for running. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, how did so, you end up with that? Um, uh, a student at my school, mm-hmm. it, at the time, very, very talented long-distance runner... And as the torch proceeded through the country, mm-hmm. they basically got quote unquote local heroes to carry it through different towns. Right. He was selected for the town I live in. Wow. Afterwards, he got to. I think he had to pay for it. I don't. I, th- I think. I don't think you got given the Olympic torch. I think you could choose to make a donation to the Olympic committee, and you got one. But then he brought it into school, so I thought I'd take a nice picture of me holding it as if I was the hero. Wow. And I tell all my friends I was. <laughs> but there's something I and the Doctor have in common. You see, the thing is, you could hand that to me. I would feel nothing. I would feel absolutely nothing. Because mm. I, I just... I, I care so little about the Olympics. It, it was basically the biggest cigarette lighter I've ever held. It had <laughs> exactly the same mechanics as your standard cigarette lighter. Wow. So it Sounds a bit dangerous to be bringing it into a school, really. You should have taken it. You should have confiscated it. 
put yeah. it in the uh, put it in the safe till his mum yeah. came and collected. Yeah, yeah. Now, unlike me, mm-hmm. the Doctor uses it to light the Olympic flame. Yeah. Let's... Can, can we? Can I feel like we have? We're glossing over the the voiceover that's taking place. Where? Because the because okay. So the runner has. I don't know, twisted his ankle or something. Yeah. So, so the so that the torch has been dropped, and Hugh Edwards, bless him, at this point says something along the lines of, "Is this the death of the Olympic dream?" Yes. Yeah. Not one for uh, holding it's like back. A is nation's it? pride is yeah. on the floor. It's it, it's just a fucking torch, mate. It's just a torch. Anyway, and so the doctor comes rather than doing what I think would have been the lovely thing to do. Help him back up, and like, be his yeah. crutch up to the, the the flames. No, he grabs it, steals all the glory for himself. Yeah, what a fucking arsehole. <laughs> yeah, but considering as well, he sort of lives his life in secret, watching yeah. the most televised <laughs> event of the year, and he's just you know uh, the centre of think attention. As the series goes on, you'll you'll start to realise that the Doctor. Has difficulty resisting the urge to insert himself into historical moments. Right. So, following his Olympic dream, yeah, the Doctor reunites with Rose. Yeah, and they have a nice little walk down the street because they're best mates. Uh huh. And Rose says something like, "Oh, they keep trying to get between us, but we'll be together forever." And then the Doctor <laughs> just looks her dead in the face, and. I don't think he even says anything before. He just goes, a storm is coming. Pretty much, yeah. Dun, dun, dun. And that's where the episode ends. Yeah. On to the finale. Yeah. Yeah. So, not the best episode we've ever watched. No, I would go so far as to say the worst. Would you? Yeah. Yeah. I, re- I, I really I, genuinely would, I think. I, I do think, like I say, being boring... It's like an unforgivable crime. It really is. Especially, I would say, especially when it it's a, an episode of a programme like Doctor Who, which has the ability to go anywhere yeah. and do anything. You could tell any story you can think of within the context of Doctor Who. Why the fuck did they think this one was worth telling? Especially. And the I, answer I, is budget. I mean, it's easy with hindsight. Yeah, but at the end of what I would consider overall a poor series, mm. going into the finale, this is the best they do. Yeah, it's not. It doesn't. But the, it doesn't really give you much. Am I right in thinking series one, Boomtown, is the episode before the finale? Yes. Yeah. So Again, it was both, a budget saver. Yeah. yeah. They, they just need to check their books. Yeah. Don't just... spend what you've not got. <laughs> But, yeah, uh, I think I'm with you on that. I'd say probably the worst. Maybe not the worst, but certainly the least enjoyable. Yeah. You know, I guess those we, are different things. We have watched some absolute crap, but it's, it's often funny. En- yeah, yeah, it's entertainingly crap. You know, I think, I think yeah. if we go back to Love and Monsters, yeah. I en- uh, you know, I said on the pod, uh, I watched it after a few beers, yeah. and I had a really good time with and it. And likewise, I, I say it's two-thirds of a good episode. It's just mm. that final third completely undermines everything I, they've set up in the first two. I think if I'd watched this after a few beers, I would have got really angry. Yeah, likewise. I'd bottled someone. Because you, you would have felt like your time had been wasted. Yeah, I, well, we, we had the discussion in the car on yeah. the way here. 
I actually watched this episode a couple of weeks ago. I feel it, so bad about this. It, we've been unable to record for a couple of weeks. Yeah, we had some episodes in the bank. Yeah. So, to jog my memory, I watched it again. <laughs> and I'd gotten out of the habit of watching episodes twice. Yeah. But You'd been burned enough that I've way. I've watched this one twice. Oh, my goodness. did not have a good time with it. I, I, I have to make it up to you somehow. It doesn't acknowledge any of the wider picture. And I know we've said well, series two. Would. Come yeah, on. But but that's it. You know Yeah, it's, no, so, it's just it's a nothing. It's just a nothing of an episode. Yeah. If if we hadn't watched this episode, we wouldn't be any worse off. No. Going into the not. finale. We haven't learned anything new. If anything we'd be be- we'd be better off. We'd we'd feel, we'd be going into the finale with oh no, we would still have quite a bad taste in our mouths after um, uh, yeah. Love and Monsters, but yeah, it's, I, I uh, think Doctor Who. It's a frustrating. I, I think, and I want to go on record as saying this: when we discuss bad episodes, yeah, you know, we have go-to episodes. We yeah. have Boomtown. We have New Earth. Yeah, I think Love and Monsters should be exempt from that. I think Love and Monsters is better than some of the episodes we've given a good time. Ooh. I think it's better than Tooth and Claw. Mm-hmm. Nothing really happens in Tooth and Claw, apart from we know where Torchwood comes from. I think we should table this discussion for our Series 2 wrap-up. Yeah. In a, yeah. In a couple of weeks' time. Yeah. Let's move on from that. Um, but, um, Speaking of which, if anyone's got any questions, any queries oh, for yeah. the end of season wrap-up, yeah, do let us know. you can get in touch with us on the usual means. Mm-hmm. Our email is timenorspacepod at gmail.com and the Twitter is at timenorspacepod. Yes, and as ever, I feel like I should clarify, I do not approve of a lot of the things you post on Twitter. Have you seen this week's? I don't know that I have. Oh. It, it, I'm it's probably it's best you don't. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, let's, let's call it a day. Thanks very yeah. much for listening, everyone. Sorry, sorry for anyone who watched this episode. <laughs> yeah. You could have yeah. found us. Well, um, thanks very much for listening. Tune in next week. We'll be talking about uh, the two-part finale of Series 2, Army of Ghosts and Doomsday. Mm, sounds ominous. Look forward to it. Until then, cheerio. Bye now. If you wish to contact us, our email address is timenorspacepod at gmail.com and on Twitter we are at timenorspacepod. And thank you to Alexander Urban for his smashing arrangement of the Doctor Who